Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Football English Show. Uh, we're joined today by Zach Lowy, uh, who will be telling us a little bit more about Porto. Hello, Zach. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for uh, for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. Uh, well, before we get started on, on Porto, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and you know what's your relationship with with Portuguese football? Yeah, so I'm the co-creator of Breaking the Lines, uh, which is a football website dedicated to Uh, really all things football, um, you know, we try to cover really every aspect of, of the game. In fact, uh, just today we released an article on Mohamed Bayo, who yeah. is, uh, you know, doing very well for Clermont Foot. Um, so, you know, we've covered a lot with regards to uh, Ligue 1, Ligue, um, Ligue 1, you know, all, a bunch of different leagues. In fact, um, We've got a, we have a weekly podcast dedicated to French football, Casser Les Lines, run by uh, my friend Jeremy Magan. Yeah. And um, I personally run Cortelinish, uh, the Cortelinish podcast, which is a weekly uh, podcast on Portuguese football. Um, I also write about Portuguese football for a number of sites, including Breaking Lines. So, yeah, um, I guess you could say that I'm, uh, I, I watch Portuguese football, so you don't have to. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> it, is, it is an intriguing league, and uh, I definitely think it gets more. It needs more attention. So you know, I'm glad that people are liking it. People are liking the content. Um, I know that there are a lot of great French, you know, accounts yeah. uh, that that cover it, like uh, Trivella. Yeah, like Trivella and and Golasso. Yeah, um, for sure gives me motivation to learn French, but <laughs> probably a long-term goal more than a short-term goal, unfortunately. Fair enough. Um, I've already got English, Spanish, and Portuguese, and Italian. Um, but I guess we're next. I do. I like MHD, so that's sort of uh, like that's a good start. some motivation, I guess. <laughs> but, so, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, you were telling us earlier that uh, Portuguese football definitely needs a bit more of uh, recognition. And I think, um, right. you know, before we go specifically into Porto, do I mean, this is sort of a broad and bit direct topic, but do you think there's been a bit of a um, decline of Portuguese football over the last few seasons? And, you know, with the Netherlands catching up in UEFA coefficients, I guess that's a, that's a yeah. realistic statistical aspect, I guess. But uh, from your perspective, how whether there's been a bit of a decline on that aspect. I don't know about decline. I mean, I definitely think that, I mean, the fact is like, I mean, look, I'm, I'm 23. I, I turn uh, 24 in a few weeks. Uh, from what I can remember, Portuguese football has never been a top five league. No. Um, I remember like a few weeks back at the start of the season where like uh, the pre-beta like surpass league boom. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, finally, we're in a top five league. Like, but, you know, the, and then we ended up getting it back. I'm like, whatever, these, this, this farmer's league can have it. No, but in no. Seriously, I, <laughs> I like league on, I like league on a lot. I watch a decent amount of league on, um, not as much as I would like to. Mm. Um, but, uh, I watch, I've, I've watched a decent amount. Um, and, and that is probably, I would definitely say it's probably my third third or fourth favorite league right now um after the premier league primera and i'd probably say that like city on league on are, are tied right now but i don't know i mean third party ownership obviously the decline of that um yeah. and i mean for good reason right 
I definitely think that's that's caused a bit of it because you're you're not seeing like as many players like Hulk, for example, coming in. Um, like I can't remember, I can't think of many like stars, you know, that have that have come to Portugal. You know, obviously there's there's Luis Diaz, but he was kind of a nobody coming out of Colombia sure. uh, back in 2019. Um, you know, so I, I I don't know if it's so much declined, to be honest with you. Okay. There are definitely some stuff where I would say that, like, the Portuguese league is shooting itself in the foot, though, um, without a doubt, okay? But uh, decline, I don't know about that. Because, like, the Portuguese league, like I said, I've, I've been I've, – I, I, <laughs> there are people older than me that would know better. For me, uh, the Primera League has never been a top-five league. But to be honest with you, that's kind of what intrigued me about it. Like, I always noticed there were so many great talents coming, so many great players like James, uh, Hulk, um, you know, Gaetan, you know, great players coming through. And, like, it's not a top five league. It doesn't get as much attention, you know. And so that was definitely one thing that intrigued me about it. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to have this niche with Portuguese football. I like – I love I love French football and Italian football as well. Um, but – I, I definitely, I definitely think that it is, you know, a special place in my heart, I guess. For sure. And I guess that uh, brings us nicely to, to Porto. Uh, I was able to, to watch the, I don't know if there's a specific name. Is it like a super classico between, between Porto and, and, and Lisbon and Sporting a few weeks ago? Uh, is there a specific name for that, that clash? I guess it's the, the super clash. <laughs> so to answer your question, um, so the Super Cup in Portugal is known as the Super Tasa, okay? Okay. Um, but any game between the big three, um, is referred to as a Clásico, okay? Okay, fair enough. Okay, um, and so I was able to, to catch that, and obviously for yeah. those who follow a bit of Portuguese football, that was... It was one hell of a fixture, you know, Sporting go yeah. to a 2 nil up uh, before halftime and, and Porto crawled it back before uh, end of end of game brawl, which, uh, you know, was expected with Pepe being a bit on edge uh, as, as usual. But uh, I guess that sort of uh, kept them in the, in the lead in the league. Uh, how do you think they, they've done so far this season? Porto? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Porto... Um... So, so looking at the start of the season, I did not really have that high expectations for them, to be honest with you. I mean, um, I'm trying to think, who do they? They didn't bring in that many players. Um, and this is after, like, an okay season that saw them, like, finish a pretty distant second to Sporting. Um, but, yeah, they didn't bring in too many players. I think they brought in um, Marco Gruzic on a permanent deal after he was on loan. So, yeah, I – and, and – and, um, Let's see who else. Wendell from Bayer Leverkusen. Yes. They didn't have that great of a window, to be honest with you. Um, and but but you know after a so so start, you know where and Sporting weren't that great either. You know it actually looked like it's funny. I mean it looked like Benfica were going to run away with it in the first few weeks of the season, um, and that's completely out of the question <laughs> now. But yeah, I mean since that defeat to Atlético de Madrid on the final match day of the season. I mean, on the final group stage match of the Champions League, that that saw Atletico progress to the round of 16, and that saw Porto, you know, uh, go to the Europa League, which which definitely had catastrophic effects, and definitely one of the reasons why they were forced to sell Luis Diaz in the January window. 
Um, I definitely, th- I, I think that Porto, it's, it's not an exaggeration to say they've been one of the best teams in football, um, o- like over the past two, three months, I would okay. probably put them, I would definitely put them in the top 10 teams in the world right now. Okay. Um, they have drawn three times and one, and won the other, um, one, one, the other matches that they've mm-hmm. played since that defeat against Atletico Madrid, which frankly they should have won. Uh, just poor finishing and individual errors really cost them. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, looking at, looking at their run of form, you know, and, and this is the majority of those games. Well, maybe not the majority, maybe like the half of the games have been without Luis Diaz. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, looking at the, the other games that, that we've seen from Porto's perspective, they've drawn, like I said, they've drawn three occasions. And one of those was not really a draw because it was it was uh, it was a comfortable it was comfortably progressing. They're comfortably progressing uh, past Lazio, conceded a goal in the 94th minute, but they comfortably progressed to the next round. So, you, kind of basically two draws. Okay, one of them uh, was against Sporting, which ended up seeming like more like a victory than a draw um, because uh, because they were down to nothing. In the first half, uh, Sporting obviously got a man sent off, Sebastian Coates, but they nevertheless, you know, clawed their way back to a 2-2 draw. And more importantly, um, they they kept the lead to six points, right? Could have been three points. They kept it at six. Um, And and that's, you know, that was fantastic for them. That was absolutely massive. So, you know, they, they kept it at six points had a chance to uh, stretch that lead to eight points actually yesterday um, after Sporting drew to Maricimo. So I always knew that this was going to be a tough game for Porto. Um, in fact, I was going to, I shouldn't say, but I actually do some uh, betting analysis for, for a betting site with regards to Portuguese football. Um, and I was going to pick Jill Vicente to draw this match okay. uh, as my pick. But the odds were too high. Like I was given, I have a window with like odds that I can pick, and the odds were too high that I couldn't go with it. Fair enough. Um, but, the risk of the but, yeah. of the job, you know. <laughs> but you know, Porto. It should be mentioned they were missing. Um, they were missing Mateo Soribe, who has been, I would say, one of their most unheralded players. Really, kind of like. I, not the glue in the midfield, but really the player who allows the more like creative players to flourish. Like, um, I guess you could say Thiago Mendes does that at Lyon. I'm not sure, to but an um, but or or for example, like uh, you know maybe Luis Gustavo at Marseille a few years ago. That might be yes. a better example. Sure, yeah, better. Example. But um, but yeah, so they they missed him. It's funny actually. The previous match against Morenense, they. Uh, Uribe, who's who started alongside Vitinha in the double pivot, he ended up picking a booking. Uh, you know, Conceição, knowing that there's a chance of him getting sent off, he was subbed off for Marco Grujic. Grujic lasted 13 minutes um, before before getting two yellows and getting himself sent off. So both Uribe as well as Grujic, the man who was you know who they paid a, a lot of money for in the summer to to eventually replace him, uh, neither of them available. Okay, um, and and so as such, Sergio Conceição ended up going with Steven Ustakio, this uh, Portuguese Canadian who who arrived in the in the January window from Passos de Pera, first ever start for Ustakio, 
he lasts 30 minutes, okay? But it should be noted that um, that that Gilles Vicente had a man sent off uh, in oh, in 100 seconds into the match. So That's clearly, you know, on, the, on the back foot, in my opinion, it was a little harsh. I can see why, but in my opinion, it was a little harsh. But yeah, uh, Gilles Vicente, you know, obviously on the back foot, playing in the Estadio do Dragao, and uh, and so Sergio Conceição, um, typically his game plan when a team goes down to ten minutes, just kind of like throw on as many attackers as he can. So uh, Ustakio, you know, the man who joined in the January window to replace uh, Sergio Oliveira, he was replaced by Wanderson Galeno, who joined in the January window. Uh, to replace Luis Diaz. Yes. And Galeno, I think, only lasted, like, himself, only, like, 36 minutes before getting hauled off in the second half for, uh, I think it was Francisco Conceição, if I'm not mistaken, uh, his son. So, um, yeah. But that's kind of a Conceição thing, to be honest with you. That's not that's not saying too much. But, yeah, you'll be sent. Uh, you know, they, they never quit. They never gave up. And they ended up opening the scoring. Um, Porto quickly equalizing, but unable to to get that second goal. So Gil Vicente getting a one-one draw in the Estadio do Dragao. Should be mentioned. I, I know I want to get to Porto in a second, but Gil Vicente are the second hottest team in Portugal right now. In my opinion, they're playing the best football in the entire league um, and doing a fantastic job under Ricardo Soares. You can listen to my thoughts on them on the Cortellinos podcast. But uh, good plug. Like. What I will say is it's not an awful draw for Porto. I mean, obviously, it's it feels more like a defeat than a draw um, because you were playing with um, a man advantage. And it's funny, I, I still saw, like, some Porto fans after the match, like, ah, this referee cost us a game. Like, fucking kidding me? Like, you guys have had a man up for, like, since the second minute, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, Porto... It's it's a draw that feels like a defeat, but it's still not the end of the world. They're still six points ahead, and uh, yeah. Um, in terms of of how the team is shaping up, obviously they've they've lost uh, Luis Diaz in, in January, yeah. who's been absolutely immense already with Liverpool, which I'm really impressed by. Um, right. How how much has the team been affected by that? I mean, for a team that lost the best player in 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 the league, they they haven't been affected that much, honestly. Um, but that that we're we're talking about Portuguese league games, okay? In Europe, I think it's definitely a different thing. You know, when you're sure. playing against Europa League ca- caliber teams, who, uh, you know, despite it being a second rate competition to the Champions League, it it's still very tough to be alive in the Europa League in March. You know, that is not an easy thing to do. No. And that is where the loss of a player like Diaz, I think, can definitely um, hurt them. I mean, Porto, there have been very, there have been many games this season where really they did not deserve to win, but they pulled off a win or they pulled off a draw because of Diaz's individual quality. You know, he's just that good. He's that lethal. He can hurt, he can hurt you with the dribble. He can hurt you by cutting in with his pace or, or you know, pulling off a shot. He's just that good. And and frankly, um, if he's not a world-class player, he will be soon. So losing Diaz, you know, that's obviously always going to hurt. I personally thought that Porto um, did well to plan in advance for Diaz's departure. 
they had brought in Pepe. Uh, I think I'm trying to think if Pepe was the summer of 2021 or the su- summer of 2021 or summer of 2020. But you know, highly rated Brazilian winger from Grêmio, um, and you know, definitely isn't Luis Diaz yet, but still has has shown a lot of quality. Um, you know, after following following Diaz's sale to to Liverpool, um, you also have Francisco Conceição, who uh, man the legend, the man of future legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously the son of Sergio Conceição. And uh, a promising talent. I, I don't, I'm not sure if he has started a, a game this season. Um, he's, he's usually been used, if he has been used at all, it's been as a, you know, an impact sub, but definitely one to watch out for. Um, and then you've also got Wonderson Galena, who we mentioned, brought in from Braga, returned actually after a few years after leaving Porto. For me, he hasn't convinced me that much. I, I think that they would have been better off going with Samuel Lino, uh, his compatriot from, from Gil Vicente. But, you know, that's another story. Um, with that being said, Porto have so many other ways to hurt you as a team. I mean, looking at their depth at the center forward position, Evan Nielsen, a player who was incredibly fourth choice last season, a fourth choice striker who has been who has become the starter. And and uh, often started alone, actually, up top. I think that Porto, I think that Sergio Conceição will probably go with a two-man attack. Um, but it's it's tricky, though. It's, it's really tricky. I mean, you've got Evan Nielsen, who, as I mentioned, has been really good, you know, a, a really good breakthrough season for him. You've got Meditaremi, who is, is such a unique player, uh, for me, he's he's like half a nine, half a ten. On his day, he's 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 probably the best center forward in Portugal. He has been a bit shaky, I will say, in the second season. Um, he's missed some really easy chances, but he's so important to this Porto side. And if he's not starting, he's definitely going to come on as as a sub in the second half. One of those players who's kind of like half nine, half ten. Um, perhaps a little similar to Memphis Depay um, at, at Lyon. But, and, and then, of course, finally, we have to mention Tony Martinez, who came from okay. Famalicao in 2020, has been mainly a substitute this season, but scored a brace against, uh, against Lazio in the first leg. So they can hurt you with center forwards. They can hurt you as well with the likes of Fabio Vieira and Vitinha, two very creative midfielders, who uh, have really blossomed this season. Um, so, yeah, despite Diaz's sale, despite the fact that, you know, those three wingers, uh, like we mentioned, Conceição, Galeno, and um, and Pepe, are still, still, you know, trying to make their way at Porto, they are such a lethal team. True. And, and that brings us nicely to, to actually that Lazio game. I mean, obviously, it was a really tight one. Uh, it, was a, it was a good... 2-1 win um, in Portugal and then they they got the 2 old draw in Rome uh, which felt like they could have slipped through their fingers you know, you know Lazio coming back into the game very late on um, did that feel very convincing or was that maybe a bit uh, by the scruff of the neck you know a bit uh, a bit shaky yeah I mean with regards to the Lazio match what I will say is I mean I think that Porto, they they definitely struggled a bit 
Um, and I thought that Lazio were going to were going to open with a one nothing win. Honestly, they they looked the better team, but at the end of the day, like I said, I mean Lazio Porto, their individual quality in attack is is a nightmare for a lot of defenses, especially Lazio, a team that has struggled a lot defensively. And uh, yeah, they did well to pull away. I think. Um, you know, I think that it, there's it's no secret that this is a disappointment for Porto. They're a team that um, are used to playing in in the Champions League in in March in February. Um, so I, I think that it, it was definitely something that they had to adjust to. But overall, I, I was I came away very impressed with Porto. Um and 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 yeah, I, I think that they're going to be a tough team to beat. I don't think I would say they're the favorites to win the league, to win the Europe League, but uh, they definitely have what it takes. Fair enough, and that brings us perfectly to, to my one of my final questions. Do you think if they're not one of the favorites, um, do you still think they'll be taking it uh, super seriously? You know, you mentioned earlier that they're more of a Champions League team. Uh, they now have that six points cushion in the league which obviously I guess is still priority but you think now that they have a you know there's still very good teams in Europa League left but there's you know there's obviously an opportunity to go quite far how seriously do you think Porto are going to take the competition I think that I think that Porto will take the competition very seriously um I expect probably you know no rotation I mean looking at the second leg uh, you didn't see too much rotation. Tony Martinez, as expected, starting over Evan Nielsen, um, after the after after his brace. But yeah, I would expect full strength. I think that this is this is definitely a chance. I think for Porto to kind of redeem themselves. You know, this is a team that we forget have a very good European pedigree. They've sure won the Champions League this 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 uh this this century. They've won. The Europe League, how many other teams can say that? Okay, so this and this is a Porto team that you know, despite the draw to Jill Descent, uh, are still one of the most informed teams in Europe right now, not just Portugal, but Europe. Okay, um, so I definitely think that this is this is going to be a chance for a lot of players, you know, and, and this is a team that you know came pretty close to 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 advancing past Chelsea. I mean, sure. not not too close, but out of the teams that that you know played them, you know, not not too bad, okay? Um so I think that it's definitely a chance for for a lot of players. I think that, you know, a, a lot of players who who frankly, I mean, will be after a big move. Um I mean, I I'm not, I don't know about for example, Fabio Vieira or Diogo Costa, they just renewed their contracts. They are, you know, homegrown players, but Vitinha could probably leave. Potentially Vitinha. I mean, let's not forget he was close to leaving to Wolves just a year ago. So as every Portuguese think, player ever does. Yeah, exactly. So I definitely think that like okay. it's an opportunity for a lot of players to you know show what they're made of, potentially get a big move out of Porto, but also just honor their club. I mean, I can definitely sense, you know. Sergio Conceição, definitely a manager who kind of instills that, like that warrior spirit amongst his players. That's something that I've always admired about him. Um, and I, I think that, that that there's definitely, I definitely get that sense 
And that's something that I think will like compensate for their lack of uh, the lack of of individual quality in certain positions. Shall we say? Absolutely. Uh, and final question: um, yeah. What uh, can? Well, I mean, what are you expecting from the Leon game? Do you think they'll they'll make it through over two legs? Um. I know it's, it's a bold very, one. It's a bold one on a Noel yeah. podcast, but you, you've got to put yourself out there. Yeah, it's super hard to say. I mean, Porto, like they they're they have had a fantastic season, uh, and they're actually chasing a treble. They've got a Tassa de Portugal semifinal matchup this week against Sporting. Uh, you know, look to be running away with the league. Um. I I am tempted to say that yes they will win, um, but with that being said, I mean we've seen a lot of teams start the season very well and then just kind of come crashing down around this time. You know, it's mid March, start of April, um, and it should be noted that this is not a particularly deep Porto squad. Um, you know, there's very little rotation. So we might see the effects of fatigue. Um, but with that being said, I mean, I, I think they will get through. Lyon have been, you know, very much a hot and cold team this season on their Peter Bulls. You know, yes, they've shown their quality in you know victories against like so Marseille and Nice, but uh, they've definitely been a team that, that are pretty inconsistent. Uh and you know, I I haven't. I've watched a few. I've watched a, a few Leon matches this season. Not as much as Porto, but uh, one thing that, in in my opinion, is the biggest weakness for this Leon side is defense. Uh, Absolutely. You know, this, despite like Costello the Keba's emergence in central defense, like for me, that is definitely an area where, um. Like it's it's hard to blame Peter Bowes because of the because like there's it's it's you know there's nothing much that he can do there in terms of central defensive options, but uh, I think that Porto's quality in the center forward positions I think it will get it, I think it will definitely I think it will take them through, but uh, it's very hard to say. But yeah, yeah I will give the Porto win. Okay, well I'll be it'll be all in all it'll be a. Uh interesting contest you know i don't think obviously we've played a, a few times porto in, in friendly games uh, i think as of late was probably 2020 the last one or yep. 2021 um I, I saw the the french porto accounts put out the video again of, of a great goal scored by porto so um but uh, i think uh you know my memory goes back to to a 2004 maybe even 2005 uh matchup i think on the on the way for portos to uh champions league final i think we might have played them but uh it's it's not a team we play much but uh, we we definitely do appreciate you know we we leon recruited lisandro lopez a few years ago uh who's uh, an absolute club legend from from porto so I'll be interested to see how it goes. And uh, I'd like to thank you uh, for, for taking the time to tell us a little bit more about uh, what to expect in this uh, week's uh, fixture. Absolutely. Thank you so much again. Thanks for having uh, for coming on. And uh, for everyone, uh, 
to check you out. Uh, do you want to p- plug uh, your socials before we leave? Yeah, so definitely check out my personal account, Zach Lowy, Z-A-C-H-L-O-W-Y, as well as BreakingLines.com, BTLVid on Twitter, and as well as check out the Cortellinius podcast. Absolutely. We'll put all the links in the description. Thanks again for coming on, Zach, and uh, we'll speak to you all very soon. Thank you. Take care.